Time now for the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Hi everybody, Tanner Hoops with you. Glad that you're with us on Wednesday, September 26th. Uh, we have a packed show as always. When do we not? Always something going on in the world of sports. Always something for us to chew on, talk about, and uh, hopefully get your thoughts. Once again, if you have a thought anytime throughout the day, make sure that we hear it. Go to our social media, like us on Facebook, ESPN-UP, or add us on Twitter, at ESPN-UP. Uh, let's jump right into it. Baseball race is heating up. We have two divisions remaining that are left unclaimed after Houston clinched the AL West last night. By the way, first time since 1999, the Houston Astros get back-to-back titles. Will they get back-to-back World Series titles to go with it? More on that later. But for now, the National League, all kinds of wild going on there. Two divisions that are still up for grabs. And right now, both leads are at half a game. The Brewers winning again last night. The Cubs losing again. Pittsburgh taking down the Cubs in Wrigley. The Brewers win big over St. Louis. They are within one game of the Cubs for the NL Central lead. We did a fan poll on Twitter last week asking you uh, what your thoughts were regarding the Brewers' playoff chances. And the majority of you said the Brewers are going to be a playoff team. They're just not going to win the NL Central. Uh, The majority of our listeners thought that the Brewers were going to host the wildcard game. Well... The Cubs may be having a collapse. Everyone thought that's what the Brewers were going to do. They thought the Brewers were going to be the team that would collapse here down the stretch. And instead, the Cubs are looking that way. We said a couple of days ago on the show, uh, there's no way the Cubs are getting swept by Pittsburgh, and they're one game away from doing so. And then they have a big-time series coming up with St. Louis this weekend, who just fell out of playoff position. With St. Louis losing last night and Colorado winning, the Rockies now hold the second wildcard spot. So the Cardinals are in desperate need of a win. They're in desperation mode against Chicago. Chicago almost has to win tonight. Has to avoid the sweep against Pittsburgh if they want to hold on to the series. Brewers are playing too well right now. Christian Yelich may have solidified his case as National League MVP. I mean, that guy is rolling right now. Front office of the year, if you ask me, over in Milwaukee. Getting him, getting Lorenzo Cain this offseason, adding Curtis Granderson here down the stretch... You know, a guy that may not be an everyday player, especially with the lineup they have over there. But he's a guy that's been there before. He's been a veteran. Maybe, maybe you can make the case he's, you know, his best days are behind him. He's still got it. He's still got it. And he's been in postseason races like this before. He knows what it takes to win down the stretch in September and into October. That's why the Brewers are going to be one of the most dangerous teams coming out of the chute right now. Dodgers falling last night. Colorado suddenly within half a game of them in the West. Colorado, I thought they were done. I thought they were done. They had a chance to uh, jump within half a game last week against the Dodgers. Ended up losing a tight game late, and then Yasiel Puig had a three-run homer. I thought that was it. They have no more meetings left this season. That was the last one. And I thought the Dodgers getting a two-plus game lead with a week and a half left in the season. I thought that'd be it. I thought L.A. was way too talented to let that slip away, and now they may may be on the brink of it. This is going to be fun. You already have the October feeling right now. We've still got a little less than a week left. You're getting an early taste of playoff baseball, especially over in the National League where you've got six teams left who's going to be the odd man out. St. Louis is half a game out of playoff position. Somebody's going to get left out over there. 
And it had been the Cardinals who'd been in that spot for how long? And suddenly Colorado's emerging. They're putting on a run here late. Bud Black is making his case to be talked about as manager of the year. Obviously, you've got to get in the playoffs to do it. But in my mind, if they do, he's up there as a finalist along with Snitker and Greg Council. Let's look at last night's slate of games in the MLB. We'll highlight a few of them of importance. Uh, Aforementioned Pittsburgh 6-0 win at Wrigley. The Pirates jumped out to a 4-0 lead in the third inning. Chris Archer, six shutout innings. He allowed just four hits. He gets the win. Mike Montgomery lasted just four innings as he took the loss. Pittsburgh bounded out 10 hits in the ballgame. Some of the individual numbers, just looking through the box score. A couple of RBIs for Francisco Cervelli led the team in that category. Three for five night for Corey Dickerson as he plays helper for Milwaukee. Javi Baez had two hits for Chicago. He was the only Cub with a multi-hit ball game. Cubs are now 91-66. and 66. Pittsburgh improving to 80 and 76. Meanwhile, Milwaukee winning big over St. Louis, 12-4, as Yelich and the Brewers put a dent in St. Louis's playoff chances. Taylor Williams, the winning pitcher, he went one shutout in and gave up two hits in that time, but survived. Austin Gomber takes the loss. Uh, it was a quick 6-0 lead for Milwaukee before St. Louis got on the scoreboard in the home half of the fourth. Uh, big night for Christian Yelich, aforementioned. The guy comes in, goes two for six with six RBI last night. Against six RBI. Cardinals had four runs total. Yelich is making the case to be the MVP. Ryan Braun had a multi-hit game. He went two for five. He had three RBI, including a pair of home runs. Yeah, Milwaukee is right back in the thick of things, and they are looking like they may be the hottest team in contention right now. Brewers are 91-67. St. Louis falling back to 87-71. and Going out west of the National League, Arizona's been eliminated. They put up a good fight, and there's still a postseason factor as they take down the Dodgers last night in walk-off fashion, 4-3. to Eduardo Escobar delivered a pinch-hit walk-off home run in the bottom of the ninth. By the way, he took the place of his former Minnesota teammate, John Ryan Murphy. Arizona got away with just eight hits in the ballgame. Only two D-backs had a multi-hit contest. Uh, David Peralta as well as A.J. Pollock. Winning pitcher is Brad Boxberger. Kente Maeda takes the loss. Dodgers fall back to 88 and 70, still first place in the West. Arizona improves to 80 and 78. Meanwhile, Colorado takes care of business against Philadelphia. They improve to 87 and 70. Phils drop below 500 at 78 and 79. D.J. Johnson was the winning pitcher. Vince Velasquez took the loss. Philly struck first with a lone run in the top half of the third inning. Colorado answered back with three in the home half. They would score the next eight runs and would not look back as they move into the second wildcard spot led by a three-for-five night for David Dahl. The Rocks have now won five in a row. They may be picking at the right time to try and get in to the postseason. Other MLB games from last night, Kansas City 4-3 winners over Cincinnati, winning pitcher Kevin McCarthy, uh, Rasiel Iglesias takes a loss, Willie Peralta got the save. A 9-4 win for Washington over Miami, uh, winning pitcher Max Scherzer, Jeff Brigham takes a loss for the Marlins. Houston-Toronto up north of the border, Astros winners 4-1, aforementioned Houston wins the American League West for the second straight year. They also win their 100th game. Josh James winning pitcher Sam Gaviglio took the loss. Roberto Ozuna picks up the save. 
Detroit taking down Minnesota by a score of 4-2. A four-run eighth inning, the difference for the Tigers. Victor Alcantara takes the win. Trevor Hildenberger, the losing pitcher, Shane Green, gets the save. Cool story from that game, Detroit's Harold Castro was a minor league player this season. He finished the year, returned home to Venezuela. He got the call that the Tigers were calling him up as part of the September expansion. It was his first career hit last night in the eighth inning that sparked that rally as Detroit came from behind to win in Minneapolis. Other games from last night, Atlanta 7-3 winners over the Mets. Dan Winkler, the winning pitcher. Robert Selman took the loss. Uh, the Yankees 9-2 winners over Tampa Bay. Winning pitcher Luis Severino, Jake Faria. Suffered the loss for Tampa Bay. Mentioned the Pirates and the Cubs 6-0 win for the Bucks. Chicago White Sox winners over Cleveland last night by a score of 5-4. Ian Hamilton gets a win. Carlos Carrasco was tagged with the loss. Looking elsewhere around the MLB scoreboard. Texas falling to the Angels last night 4-1. Winning pitcher for the Halos, Noe Ramirez. Giovanni Gallardo took the loss. Hansel Robles gets the save. The aforementioned Brewer win, 12-4 in St. Louis. Colorado, 10-3 winners over Philly. And Arizona walks off the Dodgers, 4-3. Another walk-off, this one coming in 11 innings. Seattle, 10-8 winners over Oakland. Winning pitcher, Alex Colome. Emilio Pagan took the loss. Another former Minnesota twin, Chris Herman, with a pinch-hit home run. That sparked the M's. Over the A's. Another walk-off victory. This one came in 12 innings. San Fran, 5-4 winners over San Diego. And this time it was a pitcher who had the game-winning single, Madison Bumgardner. He has uh, the walk-off, and he's the hero in 12 last night for San Fran. Mark Melanson, the winning pitcher. Rowan Wick took the loss for San Diego. Postponed game from last night, Baltimore visiting Boston. Orioles probably not too quick to try and arrange a makeup date coming into the game with 100 and 11 losses. That was a look around the MLB slate from last night. Before we go to the break, let's take a look at today, tonight's games. Baltimore and Boston, they're already underway. They got going at 105. David Price was supposed to start the game last night. He's the starter today for Boston. Ryan Meisinger going up for Baltimore. This game just getting underway. Miami visiting Washington. You have Wee Yin Chen going up against Kyle McGowan. One other game just getting going. Houston visiting Toronto. Chris Davinsky getting the start. He goes up against Sean Reed Foley. Uh, 640 tonight, Kansas City visiting Cincinnati. Heath Fillmeyer going up against Cody Reed, the pitching matchup there. The New York Mets hosting Atlanta, 7-10 start. Jacob DeGrom against Sean Newcomb. Other 7-10 games tonight, the Yankees visit Tampa Bay. Masahiro Tanaka against Ryan Stanek. 7-10 Milwaukee and St. Louis. You have John Gant going for St. Louis against Yulis Chichin. You get the feeling that's a must-win for St. Louis. 8-05 start for Pittsburgh visiting Chicago. You can be sure there will be scoreboard watching there. Ian Nova against Jose Quintana is the pitching matchup. Another 8-10 game, Cleveland and Shane Bieber going up against Jace Fry and the Chicago White Sox. Another 8-10 star, Detroit visiting Minnesota. Matt Boyd goes up against Jake Odorizzi. Colorado hosting Philadelphia. Another uber-important game in the National League playoff race. Nick Pavetta going up against Herman Marquez. The Dodgers visit Arizona. 9-40 start, Ross Stripling against Zach Grinke. Uh, Texas visiting the Angels. A 10-07 start, Johander Mendez going up against Andrew Heaney. Oakland visits Seattle, 10-10 start. Edwin Jackson against King Felix, who's trying to make his return back to the starting rotation. A 10-15 start for San Diego 
and San Francisco in San Fran, Casey Kelly versus Luis Perdomo. Uh, one other game going on tonight, 7-10. That is the makeup from last night. Baltimore visiting Boston. That game will be made up tonight and played as part of a doubleheader. But the big story is that by this time tomorrow, we could be talking about the first place Milwaukee Brewers. The Brewers have put together so many good regular seasons these last few years and just has not panned out, resulted in divisional titles. Just one. NL Central title in team history. That came back in 2011. They have two division titles in team history. The other was back in 1982 when they were still a member of the American League. Won the American League East that year. Could this be it for Milwaukee that they not only win the division, can they win it all? Right now, I don't think there's a team that's playing much better, save for Colorado. But even despite Colorado's victories as of late, five in a row... Brewers still impress me more. I believe the Brewers have a better bullpen than Colorado. I think the offensive lineup is better than Colorado. Hits for more power. Uh, starting rotation, it's tough to pick a favorite. I don't think that's the strength of either team. I think there's capable guys in the rotation right now. But I think the strength of both those teams is going to be how well they can hit the ball. And you get Colorado out of Denver, then what happens? You know you've got it made when you can sit here and speculate. It's been great September baseball. We're primed for a wonderful October. Tell you what, we'll take our first break. We'll come back and we'll get in a little bit of NFL talk. All that and more coming up in the Sports Pen, ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops with you. Glad that you're with us. Hope you're enjoying the show thus far as much as I enjoy bringing it to you. A reminder, Pigskin Payday is back. Pick the winner of each week's game to win. Play all season long for $100,000 in grand prize money. All season long at Ojibwe Casino in Berrigan Marquette. At this time, let's look back on this day in sports history. We go back to September 26, 1961. Roger Maris hits home run number 60. It ties Babe Ruth's record. It came off Jack Fisher. Then in 1964, the Braves and the Phillies used to combine 43 players in a nine-inning game. The Braves used all 25 guys on the roster. Philadelphia used 18. That set a record for most players used and a nine-inning Major League game. Throwing this one in there because we have a Major League doubleheader tonight. 1975, the Phillies and Mets played a doubleheader. Game got over at 3.15 a.m. They finally got out of their doubleheader. Phillies also clinched their first National League East title on this day back in 1976. Uh, Cleveland Browns played their first overtime game on this day in 77. They beat New England 30-27. Appropriate after Cleveland snapping their 635-day losing streak this week and New England falling to Detroit on Sunday night football. Moving ahead to 1987, San Diego's Benito Santiago sets the rookie hitting streak record at 28 games. 1993, the final baseball game played at Cleveland Stadium. Indians beat the Brew Crew 6-4. 1996, Barry Bonds becomes the second player to hit 40 home runs and steal 40 bases in a single season. And in 2004, Ed Whitlock became the first person over the age of 70 to complete a marathon in less than three hours. He did so 
in Toronto. That is on this day in sports history. How about those in sports celebrating birthdays today? Saginaw, Michigan native Serena Williams turns 37 today. Happy birthday, Serena. And Washington Nationals manager Dave Martinez turns 54. Happy birthday from all of us here at ESPN UP. All right, I said we'd get off baseball before the break. I lied. One quick point to go back on baseball. I mentioned something cool happened with Harold Castro last night in the Twins-Tigers game. Something else cool happened. It happened on the Twins side, and it actually happened early on in the first inning. As a matter of fact, Joe Maurer reached base uh, for the 3,073rd time wearing a Minnesota Twins uniform. He has now reached base more times than anybody in team history. Maurer with his single last night. 3,073rd time that he's reached base. He's played 1,852 career games, all of them with Minnesota. He surpasses Harmon Killebrew for first on the all-time Twins list. Congratulations to Joe and what could be his final week wearing a Minnesota uniform, depending what they decide to do with his contract, which expires at the end of the season. Being from Northwestern Iowa, I get a lot of the Twins media follow them. Uh, we know Maurer's coming back. They talk it up, you know, this could be it, this might be it for Joe. You know, we don't know if he's going to re-sign next year. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Maurer's never leaving Minnesota. Never going to leave. Twins going to like what they've gotten out of Tyler Austin this year. Logan Morrison has been a disappointment, but you ax him, you keep Austin as the backup first baseman. He's not ready to be an everyday defensive player. I don't know if you want to put him as a DA, Jefferson O, primarily backup Maurer or what have you. A lot to figure out for Minnesota. This has certainly been a disappointing year for them uh, when it looked like they were thought to win 90 games. Not going to lose 90 games, but it's certainly a disappointment. All right, moving on to the NHL. Opening night here before you know it. It's a great time of the year. Hockey getting started. Football's in the full swing of things. Baseball playoffs are about to commence. NBA preseason. They'll tip off here shortly. Now, Gary Bettman was talking about the success that the Columbus Blue Jackets have had over the last few years, and certainly they're a team that has the ability to continue to get better. They're well-coached with John Tortorella, a great young group of players over there that are only going to continue to develop and get better. Sergei Bobrovsky is one of the best backstops in hockey. Uh, he's a veteran. He's been there before, and he's going to continue to make big plays and come up in some big games for Columbus. So, the Athletic does an article taking one of Gary Bettman's almost in-passing comments uh, about the potential to host an outdoor game in Columbus at Ohio State University. Outdoor hockey at the Horseshoe. Think how much fun an environment like that would be. And we're seeing similar things like this where uh, hockey games are played at outdoor historic venues uh, made for other sports at New Year's Day of this year. Outdoor hockey played at City Field in New York for the Winter Classic. Stadium Series in Annapolis this year. That was back on March the 3rd. They've got the Winter Classic scheduled for New Year's Day at Notre Dame Stadium. Uh, Pittsburgh at Heinz Field just a couple of years ago for their Stadium Series. So this is nothing new but Ohio State University's horseshoe. I mean, think how much fun an environment like that would be. I mean, you're going to get fans all across central Ohio coming to this game. This is not going to be a limited regional area or just another home game. This is going to be a special event. That place for Ohio State football gets rocking. No reason why it wouldn't be for an up-and-coming successful hockey team like Columbus has produced over the last few years. So this is something that 
is an exciting time for the NHL. You've got Seattle right on the verge of expansion, looking to get the league to 32 teams. We saw an expansion team go to the finals in their first year, win the Western Conference title last season, and they just picked up one of the best players in the game. Max Pacioretty goes over there this summer. And by the way, this summer's free agency and the blockbuster signings that went along with it are the topic of the day on Twitter. Go ahead and vote on our Twitter poll uh, who you think was the biggest signing, who was the biggest prize of this NHL free agency season. Was it Max Pacioretty going to Vegas, John Tavares to Toronto, or maybe Eric Carlson to San Jose? We'd love to hear from you. Vote in our poll. It's on Twitter, at ESPNUP. Vote in our Twitter poll. Let us know what you think. Don't be afraid to comment. Tell us why you voted the way you did. We'll discuss your answers tomorrow right here on the Sports Pen. All right, so the, with the NHL season right around the corner, they're about to drop the puck, preseason wrapping up. Let's take a look at the latest Stanley Cup odds, Stanley Cup champion odds this year. Surprise me a little bit when you look at the teams that Vegas is giving the best chance to win the NHL Stanley Cup. The Toronto Maple Leafs top the list. The John Tavares trade looking like it's going to have a big impact. It does in Vegas's eyes. Couple that with guys like Austin Matthews. They should have enough firepower despite the loss of James Van Riemsdyk. So right now, it's Toronto's NHL to lose, according to the odds makers in Vegas. The rest of the top five, according to Vegas, uh, for Stanley Cup odds. Tampa Bay, Winnipeg, Nashville, and Vegas is fifth. So once again, the top five for the Vegas Oddmakers Stanley Cup champion predictions, Toronto, Tampa Bay, Winnipeg, Nashville, and Vegas. Again, not an encouragement to gamble, nothing like that, but it's fascinating. You're starting to see some new faces at the top of the list. Some older faces round out the top 10, the Washington Capitals' sixth best odds, according to Vegas, to repeat as Stanley Cup champions. So Washington is sixth. The Boston Bruins 7th, followed by the Pittsburgh Penguins. San Jose Sharks, their big splash this summer getting Carlson are ninth, And St. Louis rounds out the top 10. How about the bottom five? 27 through 31, the five teams Vegas believes to have the worst shot at winning the Stanley Cup this year. The New York Islanders are 27th on the list. That's right, they're behind Buffalo, one spot ahead at 26th. Arizona. Vancouver, sorry locals, Detroit Red Wings come in at number 30 on the list. The team with the worst odds to win the Stanley Cup, according to Vegas, the Ottawa Senators. Ottawa Senators, after trading away their face of the franchise, Eric Carlson, the Ottawa Senators have the lowest odds to win the Stanley Cup in 2019. And once again, all according to Vegas, once the season starts, Numbers mean nothing. All right, how about this? We look at college football and media markets. This is all from Nielsen. This is a Nielsen product. They have found that the top 10 college football markets, based on the percentage of the population who follow college football in the country, and some of them might surprise you. Uh, Birmingham, Anniston, Tuscaloosa, Alabama area, that shouldn't surprise too many people. Chattanooga, Tennessee... Uh, Toledo, Ohio, Des Moines, Iowa, those might. How about Little Rock, Pine Bluff, Arkansas? 
Mobile, Alabama, Pensacola area, they're up in there. Tulsa, Oklahoma is on the list. So is Columbus, Ohio. Jacksonville, Florida, Knoxville, Tennessee round out the list. So if you look at that on a map, a lot of Midwestern, a lot of Central cities on that list. Not necessarily Southern. Pretty good mix when you go North to South. But Centralized, Midwestern, love their football in that area. Little breaking news in college football today coming out of Clemson, South Carolina. Remember Kelly Bryant, the injured quarterback for Clemson who lost his spot to freshman Trevor Lawrence after he terrorized Georgia Tech this weekend. And Lawrence was named the starter for this weekend's game at Syracuse. Talked about it a couple of days ago. Some teams making changes at quarterback this year. Notre Dame did it. Worked really well. Uh, Obviously, the Cleveland Browns had worked for them in a come-from-behind victory last week. This move surprised me quite a bit. The culture that's instilled over there in Clemson, it's not like Bryant wasn't going to see the field again. You know, he's too talented of an athlete for Dabo Sweeney not to put him back out there at some point, and Dabo knows that. And he instills that culture that you come here and do the reps, you do what we ask of you, you're going to play. And every player that went to Atlanta over the weekend got in the ball game. All 72 players at Clemson dressed and traveled got in the ball game against Georgia Tech. That's been one of Dabo's calling cards. Surprises me a little bit that Bryant is exiting. I mean, this freshman is still relatively unproven. He went up against Georgia Tech. I mean, it's not a powerhouse by any means. I, I don't think we've seen enough of him. But Bryant's leaving. This is a guy that took his team to the college football playoff last year. Move surprises me a lot. Another move that maybe shouldn't surprise people too terribly much, going back to baseball, uh, the Toronto Blue Jays are planning to announce that John Gibbons will not return as manager next season. Toronto's about to cap off their second straight losing season. Gibbons, 56 years old, he took the team to consecutive American League Championship Series back in 2015 and 2016. Uh, His club option was extended through 2020 last April, but it looks like that the Blue Jays are going to go a different direction uh, away from the 56-year-old Gibbons. Last thing before we go to break, we move to the NBA, and the Jimmy Butler saga continues for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, Butler and Bernie Lee, his agent, have informed the team that his ideal trade destination is to go to Miami. Who doesn't want to go to Miami? Live there? It's a great place. It has been reported that uh, Miami has pursued Butler rather aggressively uh, since he made it known that he wants out of the Twin Cities. It seems to put to bed previous reports that he had intentions of signing with the Los Angeles Clippers. I tell you what, we owe you another break. We'll take it right now. We've got the NFL to break down. Plenty there when we come back on the other side. This is the Sports Pen, ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops with you. ESPN-UP, the ESPN-UP mobile app. Pigskin Payday is back. Pick the winner of each week's game to win. Play all season long for $100,000 in grand prize money. Only at Ojibwe Casino in Barriga and Marquette. 
Now we transition into the NFL. Once again, in case you missed it before the break, go ahead and vote in our Twitter poll topic of the day, NHL free agency. Who made the biggest splash? Who made the best splash? Our Twitter poll on our Twitter page at ESPNUP. Vote for your selection as far as who was the biggest free agency signing this summer. All right, we look at the NFL and... Uh, How about this from James Harrison, former outside linebacker, Steelers great. Uh, Regarding the Le'Veon Bell situation, he thinks Le'Veon should sign his contract with Pittsburgh and then fake an injury. Yeah, that's what he said about his former team, where he's a living legend. He thinks that in regards to Le'Veon Bell, he should sign his contract with Pittsburgh, take the field, fake an injury. Now, keep in mind, Le'Veon is doing this not only for the money, which, you know, I can get. You know, he wants his money. I I understand. Uh, He's doing it to protect his body, which I can understand even more. Uh, Lifespan for a running back, not great. And he understands he's one ACL tear away from, uh, from what? You know, he wants to make sure that he is financially secure enough in a way that he seems fit. And that may be silly when you think about it compared to uh, you know, what NFL superstars make. Uh, but, you know, he, he's accustomed to a lifestyle. He has the right to be. It's him putting his body at risk out there on the field. And he's holding out until he gets the money that he feels he deserves. So the problem for him is that he has one year left until he's a free agent. So the Steelers still own him for another season. Should he not sign and play? by week 11. If he doesn't report to work then, he won't be eligible to qualify for a season on his contract. And he's still going to be one year away from being a free agent. So he's still property of the Pittsburgh Steelers if he doesn't report to work for the 11th game. So James Harrison's solution is sign your contract, get whatever the Steelers are willing to pay you, get back on the field, get there in time that you're eligible to qualify for a season played on your contract, and then fake an injury. You don't risk actual harm to yourself by doing it. You're eligible for free agency at the end of the season. You don't have to play another down after that. You're still eligible. And you get paid by whoever's willing to pay you. I mean, there are teams out there that are just hurting for a running back. New York Jets, they've already been in talks with them. But Belil Powell, or whoever's out there running the ball right now, Think what they could be if they had Le'Veon Bell. Sam Darnold's been fairly promising. He's been consistent. Quincy Nunwa, I think, has surprised a lot of people in the passing game. But imagine if they had a run game to complement that. Todd Bowles is a defensive-minded coach. He'll have a defense that is going to bring a lot of pressure. Think if the Jets could supplement that with an offense in what's early on looking to be a wide-open AFC East. And you don't get to say that too often. New England, they're one and two. It's the first time they've been multiple games out of first place in the division since week eight of 2002. Anything can happen right now. Sports Illustrated had the Miami Dolphins winning three games all season. They are three and oh to start 2018. In reality, Adam Gase making his case for coach of the year. The Dolphins, they look like... uh, Let's just say things are in their hands right now. They're in the driver's seat. Still early on, but they're in the driver's seat. And who's excited for tomorrow night's Thursday night matchup? Rams 
hosting the Vikings. Two teams that should be NFC title contenders, should be teams that have a chance of making the Super Bowl. Vikings obviously laid an egg last week against Buffalo, and they've got some serious problems in their clubhouse right now, things that need to be figured out. Sean McVay, the Brad Stevens of the NFL, young but brilliant. The guy can coach. And just like Brad Stevens has, he's taken his team up, and they are now among the best in their conference. They're guys who are threatening to make it to the final Super Bowl championship, what have you, of whatever sport they're in. For me, a lot of reasons to compare McVay and Stevens. Mike Zimmer, one of the best defensive minds in the NFL. This coaching matchup is going to be a lot of fun. He wondered how, from a Vikings perspective, what the offense would do if they would miss a beat with Pat Shermer leaving to take the Giants' head coaching job. John Filippo doesn't look like he's missed a beat. Kirk Cousins is everything you want in an NFL quarterback. Can he be consistent about it? There's a lot of talent there. It's a new system to learn. He looked fairly good through the first two weeks of the season. You'll give him that, but couldn't hold on to the football Sunday against Buffalo. And I think a lot of that was mental. And it was not just Kirk Cousins. It was all the Vikings. And as it turns out, the situation dealing with Everson Griffin, his arrest this week, appears to be going through some sort of mental health breakdown, threatened allegedly to break into another Viking player's home. It's a situation where... Uh, it's affecting everybody around because that guy's such a leader for that team and in the locker room. It's tough when you see somebody you care about go through anything, especially something as serious as that. And you know how much the Vikings care about a guy like that. And it's a situation where people are certainly going to demonize a guy like Everson Griffin. But I think this is a situation where Vikings fans, NFL fans, need to care about him and cheer for him more than they ever have before. Got to grow in a situation like this. Either way, quick turnaround for Minnesota, going out to Hollywood tomorrow night, getting a game against one of the best teams in the NFL, and this will tell us a lot about the NFC race. The Rams, we know they're going to be there. They're already off to such a hot start this season. The Vikings looked early on like they were going to be there. But then last week, it raises the question marks. Does this quick turnaround help the Vikings? Get back onto the field, shake off a terrible loss to a terrible Buffalo team? Or does it hurt? Do they still have unresolved issues within the team, within the locker room? We're going to learn a lot about these two teams, especially the Vikings tomorrow night. I can't wait for this game. This is going to be a fun one. How about some other games around the NFL this weekend that really stick out to me? Mentioned the AFC East a couple of moments ago. Miami visiting New England, 1 o'clock kickoff. That's going to tell us a whole lot about that division race. Miami 3-0, New England 1-2 in Foxborough. New England coming off a loss to the Detroit Lions who looked abysmal through the first couple of weeks of the season. Speaking of Detroit, they visit Dallas. Cowboys might be giving away tickets to that game. I'm serious. If you're thinking about taking a trip down to Dallas for the weekend, you can afford it. You can afford it. Why not go spend a weekend in Texas? Warm weather. Watch some football. Tickets are cheap. Green Bay and Buffalo. The Bills come to Lambeau. Coming off a huge win against Minnesota. What are they going to do against Green Bay? A team that Minnesota tied with about a week and a half ago. How will the Packers respond after getting run all over by Adrian Peterson on Sunday? 
How's Buffalo going to respond? Coming off their win against Minnesota, going into another NFC North team's house. Tampa Bay, Chicago. This will be a lot of fun. Tampa Bay suffering their first loss of the season. Fitzmagic started out pretty well in that uh, Monday night loss to Pittsburgh. Lost it a little bit there in the second quarter. A furious second half comeback. He seemed to regain it. He's passed for over 1,200 yards in three games. Taking on Mitch Trubisky and the Chicago Bears, who are in first place in their division. Two and one record, winning two straight after uh, choking a game away against uh, Green Bay Sunday night football in week one. Here's a big one. Afternoon kickoff on Sunday. Cleveland visiting Oakland. Browns get their first win of the season. They wondered if they were going to have another winless year. And Oakland, who was thought to be, you know, maybe one of the powers of the AFC this year, is 0-3 in John Gruden's return. The roles have been reversed. Cleveland's coming in with momentum with Baker Mayfield and expectations maybe not high, but higher. And optimistic Cleveland Brown fans are going to pour into Oakland. Amazing how the landscape of the NFL has changed from one season to another. Monday night football game this week. I'm intrigued by this matchup with Denver hosting Kansas City. If anything, I'm intrigued by the Chiefs offense and Patrick Mahomes going up against Von Miller and the Denver defense. To me, that's going to be the big battle to watch. We're going to learn a lot this weekend in the NFL. We thought we were going to here in the first three weeks and everything we know has all but been turned upside down. The Green Bay Packers make a move yesterday, signing cornerback Bashad Breland. A uh, 26-year-old previously played for Washington, spent four years there. Uh, he had signed a three-year contract with Carolina in March, uh, but then he ended up having an injury while visiting the Dominican Republic. He cut his foot and suffered an infection. The deal was voided. So Green Bay signs him to a one-year deal. Davin House was placed on injured reserve. And the Packers are looking for a little secondary help. It always seems to be the Achilles heel for Green Bay. Secondary's been a struggle trying to find the right personnel there and give Aaron Rodgers a defense he can win with. You know, speaking of quarterbacks, it looks like uh, Fitzpatrick will be staying as the Tampa Bay starting quarterback. A little bit of a lull there midway through Monday Night Football's loss against Pittsburgh. But he's been... Consistent here early on. He found his magic again toward the end of the game. The guy's thrown for over 400 yards in each of the first three games of the season. How can you sit him in favor of Jameis, a guy that he's a wild card? Talent's there, potential's there, but is he going to put it all together and is he going to stay smart off the field? You know, his off the field antics, sure, they, they hamper him, no doubt. But what does he have to do to win the quarterback job back? Honestly, I don't think it's anything that he can do to win it back. I think it's Fitzpatrick's job to lose. He's earned it this far, and Jameis hasn't given us much of a reason to trust him. He was okay in preseason football. He's been excellent in practice, according to reports. But real football, 11 on 11, it's a whole new ball game. And Fitzpatrick has given you reasons you should trust him. Love him or hate him, he's not the long-term solution, no doubt, but he is putting up good numbers, and he's giving Tampa Bay a chance to win. They could very easily be 3-0. 2-1 right now. They're up there in the NFC South. Tough division. 
And they're looking like a team that is going to bounce back after a couple of terrible years. And they look like they could be a playoff contender, provided everybody stays healthy. Mike Evans especially. Fitzpatrick right now, the way he's playing. About Cameron Brait, who's come up as a little bit of a favorite target. Harvard to Harvard between him and Fitzpatrick. Tampa's looking like a team that's going to surprise people. And right now, you got to stick with a hot hand. Dirk Cotter chose not to put in Jameis when Fitzpatrick was struggling in the first half on Monday night. To me, that says he does not have any intention of doing it unless we see a major fallout. Unless the bottom completely falls out for Ryan Fitzpatrick this season, he is going to remain as a starting quarterback. Jameis will get some snaps. You have to. You have to see what you're going to get out of your long-term guy. And that is Jameis Winston, not the 35-year-old Ryan Fitzpatrick. It's a great year. Don't get me wrong. Great year for Fitzpatrick. I love the guy. I hope everything goes well for him. Wish him the best this season and thereafter. But he is not the long-term solution in Tampa Bay or anywhere. All right, we owe you our last break. We'll come back. We'll put the finishing touches on this episode of the Sports Pen. Don't go anywhere. This is ESPN-UP, the ESPN-UP app. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops with you. Hope you're having a great afternoon. We are halfway through the week. We've got football tomorrow night, little high school football coming up on Friday. Don't forget ESPN-UP, proud to be the flagship home for Westwood Patriot Athletics. It is homecoming week over there in Westwood High School, and we've got the homecoming game this Friday against Hancock. That's going to be a fun one. It's going to be a lot of fun when that one goes down. Be sure to tune in 6.30 pregame, 7 o'clock kickoff right here on ESPN-UP and streaming online with the ESPN-UP app. Well, another tough break for the New England Patriots as Rex Burkhead is officially placed on the IR today. He is the second running back that New England has lost due to injury this season already. Jeremy Hill, remember, back in week one, tearing his ACL. So now we really get to see what Sonny Michel and what James White are all about. Those guys have looked fairly good in the opportunities they've had. They uh, they should give New England fans a reason to be excited. Uh, but how can you be excited for New England? The standard has been raised so high over there over the last few years that you're off to a 1-2 and two start, two games out of the division. The rest of us, the other 31 teams in the league, know that it's far from over. But for New England, this is uncharted territory. You, you have the same record as the Cleveland Browns. Now, this is a team that is accustomed to being one of the final four every year in the NFL, if not in the Super Bowl. It's a fan base that just does not expect to be 1-2, and two. And down to a third-string running back a season after going to the Super Bowl. And granted, no fan base should be that way. But New England especially, it's a culture over there. It's a culture of winning that Bill Belichick has established. And love him or hate him, you got to have that professional respect for him. More tough injury news. Los Angeles Angels pitcher Shohei Otani has announced that he will be undergoing Tommy John surgery in Los Angeles. Had an MRI earlier this month that showed damage near his UCL on his right elbow. Uh, so he will miss the 2019 season as a pitcher and would be tentatively scheduled to return to the mound in 2020. However, he did spend time as a designated hitter this year. Played both ways. 
Uh, so he would still have the option to potentially hit next season and be in the batting lineup exclusively rather than pitch. Uh, Mike Sosha said there's still too many variables to know uh, if the 24-year-old Otani is going to be okay to go forward with such a plan. Uh, however, he's been one of the most highly touted prospects uh, coming over to America and was very highly sought after by numerous teams in the league. Uh, the Angels fortunate enough to land him. He went 4-2 this season. Uh, he averaged about 11 strikeouts per nine innings. 331 ERA. At the plate, he was pretty good too. He hit 280, 21 home runs. He actually had two home runs on the day that it was announced he had further damage sustained to his UCL. So we're wishing him all the best and a very quick recovery to get him back onto the field. How about some good news regarding injuries in professional sports? The Philadelphia Eagles are getting back to full strength. Carson Wentz made his return to the field last season after tearing his ACL a year ago. Uh, Jay Ajayi getting back to practice this week, as is Darren Sproles. Alshon Jeffrey, who led the team with nine touchdown catches a season ago. He had uh, surgery on his rotator cuff in February. He missed the first three games of this season. He's back at practice, and he has been given the okay to go back to full contact. So the Eagles are starting to uh, get healthy once again and get back to full strength, fresh off their run to winning last year's Super Bowl. Bad news, however, for professional sports in Philadelphia. Jory Laterra, 30-year-old forward for the Philadelphia Flyers, uh, he has been linked to a cocaine ring in his native Finland. Uh, there has been a press conference with General Manager Ron Hextall. He answered no comment to every question asked about him regarding Laterra, including, is Laterra still a member of the Philadelphia Flyers? Uh, the situation is under investigation. The NHL has been contacted. They are launching their own investigation. Laterra was preparing to begin his second year with Philadelphia. He was acquired at the 2017 draft in a trade that sent Braden Shen to St. Louis. All right, back to some good news. We need some after a story like that. Uh, great job, Max Scherzer. Congratulations to him. He climbs Mount 300. He becomes the latest pitcher to reach the 300 strikeout mark in a single season last night. He did it by striking out Austin Dean of the Miami Marlins. He becomes just the first right-hander to do it since Kurt Schilling did in the year 2002. He is the 17th pitcher in the modern era to strike out at least 300 in a single season. Other notables to have done it, Randy Johnson did it three times in this century alone, 2000, 2001, and 2002, along with Kurt Schilling. Clayton Kershaw accomplished the feat in 2015, and Chris Sale did it last year. Scherzer is just the second player in the history of the franchise, whether in Washington or Montreal, to reach the 300 strikeout mark in one season. He is just six strikeouts away from tying Pedro Martinez franchise record, which he set back in 1997, wearing a Montreal Expos jersey. The only other pitcher to ever do it in the District of Columbia, Walter Johnson. Going way back in the day, almost 100 years ago, Johnson did it twice while playing for the Washington Senators. So now, decision time for manager Dave Martinez in his first season. Do you start the 34-year-old in the season finale on Sunday, a meaningless game, you're not making the playoffs? Or do you invest for next season? Do you let him rest, not risk an injury? In my mind, you have to start him. If you're the front office, if you're the management, 
You have to give Mad Max a chance to go out there and go for Pedro's record. It has been a season of disappointments for Washington. Sure, they're you know a little above 500. Uh, they're a team that is accustomed to making the playoffs, and they were geared for a situation where they were supposed to. You know, firing last year's management, uh, bringing in Martinez this year, thinking that this is finally the year that they can put it all together. Uh, you've got Bryce Harper. You don't even know what his future plans are. He says he'd like to stay with Washington. Uh, I don't know what their plans are with him, but this has been a disappointing season for the Washington Nationals. And it's not looking like, I mean, why would it get better? Why would why would it get better? You're not winning with Max Scherzer, with Bryce Harper, guys like that. Uh, Steven Strasburg you throw in there. I mean, there's talent on that team. There's more than Harper, Trey Turner. So why aren't the Nationals winning? This has been a disappointing season through in and throughout. I don't care if they finish with a winning record or second the division, whatever it is. Uh, this has been a disappointing season because this is a franchise that expects to be in the postseason every year. And granted, they don't make a run once they're there, but they are playing into October, and this year was not the case. Even if Atlanta didn't go on their run this year and have the season they're having, being two games over 500 in the last week of the season, I mean, that's tough to win a division on. You know, if Atlanta is not having the year they have, Washington's not sitting comfortably right now by any means. Presumably, they would be first place in the division without Atlanta. So, in my mind, they have to give the fans a reason to feel good. You know, it's like, why do fans of a bad team come and still continue to support in August and September? Because the front office sells optimism to them. They preach that they have strong ranks coming up from the minor leagues, the farm club, the draft, what have you. They preach that to the fan bases, and that is what keeps them optimistic. That's what keeps them in the seats and buying tickets, buying merchandise, what have you. And right now, what do Washington National fans have to be optimistic about? Bryce Harper, and more than likely, is going to leave after this season. He won't be wearing a Washington jersey. Arguably the best player in baseball won't be there anymore. You need to give these fans a chance to feel good about something. The way that this season has gone, how disappointing it is, Give Scherzer a chance to go out there and break Pedro's record. Let them see something special they haven't seen before, not in this lifetime in Washington, D.C. That's why Scherzer needs to make that start on Sunday. In my mind, this isn't something that should be questioned. Front office, Dave Martinez, they need to schedule in Scherzer on Sunday. Well, looking ahead to the MLB postseason, the Red Sox have confirmed that Chris Sale will get the start in Game 1 of the American League Divisional Series. Once again, the opponent, TBD, depending on the outcome of the wild card game next week between Oakland and the New York Yankees. We don't even know where that game's going to be played yet. As of right now, the Yankees hold the right to host that game. Uh, Oakland still with a chance to come back and take it away from them, make them play it in the Coliseum. The other ALDS matchup has been officially set after last night's Houston victory as the Astros will take on the Indians in the ALDS, champions of the West and Central Divisions in the American League, respectively. That series is going to be a ton of fun. Normally, you want to go with three starting pitchers throughout your postseason series, but these are two teams that could, if they wanted to, go even deeper than that. I'm serious. These are the best two starting rotations left in Major League Baseball, not just in the American League, 
but in Major League Baseball. The Detroit Tigers have wrapped up their home schedule for 2018. We assume that if you go to Comerica next year, that it will be okay to order the pizza once again. Over the weekend, a video surfaced of a Comerica Park concession stand employee, 20-year-old Jalen Curley of Detroit, spitting on a piece of pizza. He was serving at the concession stand during Friday night's Tigers-Royals game at Comerica Park. Uh, Curley, along with a fellow employee who was the one who filmed the, uh, the act in question, were fired, and Curley was arrested on Sunday. Is spitting on a piece of pizza, first of all, disgusting. Uh, second of all, do you know that's a felony? It is. It's a felony violation of food law. Uh, and that is punishable up to four years behind bars. Uh, he's also charged with a misdemeanor count, and that's punishable up to about 90 days in jail. So, uh, stupid choice by Curly. You play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. He's looking at 90 days to four years behind bars. A lastly, injury update on Golden State Warrior big man DeMarcus Cousins came over in the offseason after taking a huge pay cut. Uh, there is no timetable for his return, but it looks like he's close to being back. Uh, you remember last year he had a torn Achilles tendon. He is progressing uh, nicely enough for head coach Steve Kerr. For the front office, they're comfortable with where he's at. Uh, that's going to be a scary team this year. If they all stay healthy, Who's going to contend with that starting lineup, especially out in the West? Steph Curry, Clay Thompson at the guard positions and a front court of Draymond Green, Kevin Durant, and Boogie Cousins. That Warriors team is, uh, they're no joke. They're not somebody you want to tangle with, especially getting to April, May, June, into the postseason. I tell you what, Space Jam 2 is coming out. LeBron James starring in it, replacing Michael Jordan, the star from Space Jam 1. They could just put that whole warrior team in as the Monstars. Be a good challenge. LeBron, Bugs, the Looney Tunes going up against the Western Conference All-Star team. And with that, my hour is up. As always, appreciate you tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the show as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you. We're on same time, same place, 4 o'clock Eastern, 3 o'clock Central, right here on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP mobile app. Don't forget to vote in our Twitter poll at ESPN-UP. Tell us who... The biggest catch was in this year's NHL free agency signing period. Once again, I'm Tanner Hoops. Thanks for listening. We will catch you cats tomorrow. For now, here's the Will Kane Show on ESPN WZAM. Ishpeming Marquette.